All right. Well, we're going to continue on in the book of Ephesians. And just I'm going to go really quick for a, a review. Um, and my things cooking up here. And so we talked about our three-word outline for the book of Ephesians. And the three-word outline is we got two three-word outlines. The first one is sit, walk, stand. The idea is sit and soak in all the wonderful things Christ has done for us. Uh, walk is the idea of walking that out, living in it. Stand is the idea of standing up against evil that is in the world, um, spiritual warfare. The other three-word outline, same principles, uh, is the wealth we have in Christ, all the wonderful things that Christ has done for us. Those are the first three chapters. The next thing is the walk, and that's the section we're in right now. It's really important that you understand that what we're going to read about today is a lot of don't do this. And if you just take that and, and exclude the rest of the book, it becomes a very burdensome message. Um, and so it, this is all that Christ has done, how to live in that's what we're going to talk about, and then spiritual warfare. So that would be the wealth, the walk, and the warfare. Okay? And just a reminder, the Ephesians were a group of people that uh, come from a very pagan background. They were uh, into idol worship and all kinds of uh, dark, evil, um, idolatry, uh, magic, all, all of those type of things that were very evil. And so that's the group that Paul is talking to. They were saved out of that background. That's kind of their, their background. So with that, uh, I'm just going to go through here and kind of get us zeroed in on a little bit of the concept of what we're going to be talking about. And, and first, again, you don't have to answer these out loud, but maybe a couple of them if you have a quick thought. What comes to mind when you hear the word saint? Anybody? have a Okay. Believers in Christ, any other thoughts when you hear the word saint? Perfection. Okay. Any other thoughts? Anybody here raised in Catholic Church? A couple Catholic? Maybe have a, you maybe have a certain idea when you hear the word saint, achieving sainthood. Um, now, next question. Do you think most people want to live like a saint? Does that sound like something? I'm like, hey, you know what? You're called to live like a saint. It's like, oh, great. Yeah, good luck. Right? Does anybody else feel that way when you hear that phrase like that? Um, it, it sounds like a lot of pressure, doesn't it? It feels unachievable. Yeah. And so let me just ask you this. In what ways should a saint be different than a non-saint? Like if you say, huh? Not sinning. Unwavering in faith. Okay. Showing love. Yeah. Any other thoughts? What is your response if God called you a saint? Like, what's kind of your gut reaction when you hear that? Undeserving. What's that? Oh, go ahead. No, you can tell me later. <laughs> Anybody have a thought? You feel like a saint. You guys feeling like saints this morning? You kind of, you usually consider you got a sinner and you got a saint, right? So how are you feeling this morning? You feeling like a sinner or are you feeling like a saint? Where are you, where are you kind of going? Yeah. Like, this is a trick question, isn't it? 
I say saint, you're gonna you're gonna say yeah, right. I say sinner, you're gonna be like. Now I'm exposing myself as a sinner in front of everybody in church. Um, sinner saint. There you go. Man, I like that. I like that. So today's message is live like a saint. And specifically the passage, we're going we're willing, we're gonna get through 14 verses today. Um, and the idea is to love like a saint and to shine like a saint. You'll see that in the passage really clearly. To love like a saint and to shine like a saint. I thought. Just for our purposes here, it would be helpful. You don't, that might be too small for you to read, and that's all right. Um, I'll explain it. This is, I thought it might be helpful for us to really understand what the word saint means when it comes to the scriptures. So a lot of us have the idea maybe of the Catholic Church saint, you know, a Saint Christopher, or different people that have been um, honored with the title of saint. So here's what has to happen uh, for the Catholic Church to approve somebody as a saint. They're presented for sainthood five years after the death. So they kind of want the hoopla of their death to calm down any high emotions. Like, oh, they were such a saint. So it can't even be acknowledged till after five years. They can't be presented. And then they investigate that person's life. And if they've found that they did live a holy life, then they're declared a servant of God by the church. So that's kind of the pre-saint is you're declared a servant of God. Um, and then they have to show the proof that their life is of heroic virtue. In other words, there was something heroic or something that was altruistic or that was helping others. Um, have to have a verified miracle. If one, if you were a martyr, you could only have, you know, it was okay to have just one miracle verified. If not, typically two miracles verified and then <clears throat> canonization during mass. So then you would be officially declared a saint after all those other criteria. That's not what scripture teaches. And I'm not here to bash the Catholic church or to argue with the Catholic church or any of those things. But what scripture teaches is that all those who place their faith in Jesus Christ have been declared a saint. And I like Ned's sinner saint. It doesn't mean you're perfected. It doesn't mean you're doing miracles. It means you've been put into a category that is called uh, that you are sanctified or set apart. So God has said, I'm going to make your account as you are righteous. I'm going to give you righteousness that you didn't earn. And this is really helpful to me. The word saint comes from the idea of sanctified. And what they would do is they would sanctify or they would have like a ritual to show the different instruments being used in the temple were pure and set apart for holy use. So you could have a set of barbecue tongs for your barbecue, right? That's not really holy, but those aren't holy. But if you had these tongs and you designated them as ceremonial tongs to be used in the temple to move coals, those were sanctified set apart tongs for a holy purpose and the things that were used in the temple had to be sanctified or set apart you couldn't go uh we lost the holy tongs go run and grab your barbecue uh tongs they had to be set apart tongs and so the idea here is that we have been set apart for holy use and when god saves when someone puts their faith and trust in christ they move out of the ordinary people category and move into 
God wants to use you for something special category. Does that make sense? That's what a saint is. It's someone who's been set aside for holy use. And so the passage we're going to look at today is he's kind of telling us about what that looks like to live in that category. All right? I'm going to move very quickly through this because I think it's just time for us to continue moving on. Um, but you would be benefited to just dive more deeply into all this. Uh, and I would encourage you, anytime you have a question or like talk to me or just dive into studying it yourself, if you disagree, that's good stuff. That's good for you to do. So one, how to love like a saint is love sacrificially. We've gone over this verse quite a few times. It talks about walking in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling aroma. So that's what we're going to celebrate today, communion, is that Christ sacrificed himself on the cross. In the Old Testament, they would do these sin offerings, and what it was was the animal essentially died in the place of the sinners who should be dying, right? So instead of me dying for my sin, we have a substitute, God, puts that wrath on this animal and it dies in my place so that I don't have to die. Make sense? So that's what Christ is. Christ put himself in my place. And I believe he took on God's wrath. He substituted himself for me and paid the price that I was supposed to pay for my sins. And the price that for me to pay for my sins is so high, I couldn't ever pay that on my own. It's not like I could reach into my bank account or do enough good stuff to pay for those. None of it would work. So I have to receive the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on my behalf if I want eternal life. Make sense? So the whole picture here that he's given is that just as Christ loved us, it wasn't just this love that says, oh, I just love you guys. Really love you. Love you. Love you. Feel so warm and fuzzy about you. No, his love was demonstrated in that he gave himself for us as an offering. And so that gives us a picture of the kind of love that we're supposed to have. He demonstrated his love by giving himself up. And that's the kind of sacrificial love, he says. Be imitators of God. So saints are supposed to love like Christ's love. If you're set aside for special use, one thing he wants you to be doing is loving the way Jesus loved. And the way Jesus loved was sacrificially. That's going to look different in all of our lives, isn't it? Uh, I may need to make different sacrifices uh, that Michelle would need to make, and Jerry may need to make different sacrifices that Ned would need to make. But in order to love others properly, it is at some point going to require some sacrifices. Love gives. For God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love gives. That's a, a trademark of Christ's love is it's giving. A lot of our earthly love is take, 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 take. We're going to see that in the passage, right? Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. We just fell out of love. He quit, learned how to quit. He didn't. Learn how to keep loving me. You're all these different things. And that's the world's kind of love. The love of Jesus is to give, make sacrifices. Now, here's the other side of that coin. 
how to love like a saint also includes, I would just kind of wrap this all up in being selfless instead of selfish. So the passage talks about these things. He says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. That is where we get our idea of the passage today. So he's basically saying, hey, you've been set apart for holy use. That's, those old things aren't fit for you anymore. You're not, that's not sp supposed to be your trademarks anymore. You have new trademarks, selfless love, sacrificial love, not selfish love. Does that make sense? And so he says, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. We'll talk about that giving of thanks. The idea here is, I'm not going to go into details on this for a lot of reasons, but fornication is a pretty old-fashioned word. You know, most of us have heard it, and um, maybe one or two things come to, mind, come to mind. It's actually the Greek word is pornea. It's where we get our word pornography from. And so that whole idea, though, is anything outside of God's design. And you can just look at our society and see what's happening. Um, and the news, whether it's some drag queen stuff being taught in school or uh, the military now celebrating uh, gay pride. I mean, this week is just look at the news. You see what's going on. And again, our, our purpose is not to condemn all those people and to hate them. We're not, God never says to hate those people, but we are to hate those sins. And we are to stand up as a be clear and be light in the world and demonstrate that those things are wrong. And so the idea here is broad term for any sexual activity outside of God's design. What's God's design? One man and one woman, one male and one female. And you can try and get tricky with the verbiage on all that. And what is a man? What is a man? Go back to your basics, man. That's what it's talking about. One male and one female. That's God's design. Anything outside of that is not living set apart. I understand there are people in the church. There are people that want to argue that. There are people that even have a legitimate struggles with some of those things. And I don't want to go into too many details, but whether it would be sex outside of marriage, whether it would be same-sex relationships, whether it would be, and I feel like it's important to at least touch on it because scripture touches on it. So I don't want to shy away from it. But the idea here is all those things are not fitting, as it says, for the saints. That's why it's important for us to think about the first part of the book. You've been saved by the wealth of Christ. Jesus made the sacrifice for you. He paid for you with his blood. He paid the price you should have paid. And so what he's saying is, don't behave that old way anymore. You were saved out of that. That's not fitting for you to continue living in that anymore. I understand there are struggles in that. But that's not what we're supposed to do. Uncleanness, anything impure, could be lust, evil motives. Um, covetousness is basically just, I want, I want more, I want more. You could, uh, sometimes this is used in a sexual way, like uh, I want this person or that person or this relationship or that relationship. And it could also be just material things. I want, I want, I want, right? Filthiness, anything that's shameful, disgraceful, or obscene, foolish talking. 
this one uh, can get tricky because people say, so we can't even joke around. We can't, I like, I put the word buffoonery in there just because I feel like that's an old fashioned term and I kind of like it. Like, I feel like I want to bring that back into vogue kind of, you know, like, oh, that's a bunch of buffoonery there. Uh, I think it'd be good for our kids to hear us say that every now and then. Uh, let's cut the buffoonery heavy. Um, worthless, good for nothing speech. This verse came to my mind. It says, uh, is Proverbs 26, 17, 19. Interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ears. You ever try to get involved in someone else's argument and you're the one that ends up getting bit out of the whole thing? Yeah, you've, you've seen that happen. Uh, and then continues on, just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon, some scriptures say fiery arrows, which I like, is someone who lies to a friend and says, I was just joking. And so this would be the idea that even our talk, so it goes all the way from this really immoral stuff that we would go, ooh, ugly, to, hey, even our talk. So I think there's room for every single one of us in here to kind of go like, ooh, that's an ugly list. Yeah, thank goodness I'm not in that. Or you could go, I'm somewhere on the spectrum. I'm still dealing with these really ugly, nasty things that I don't even, I'm even shameful to talk about. All the way to, and I got to clean up my speech a little bit. And co uh, course jesting's like dirty, inappropriate joking. So you could probably see yourself somewhere in that, that category, correct? Or someone close to you, someone like you. Uh, so I kind of want to, as we move into this next section, again, I know I'm moving very quickly, is just to remind you that this is not just about being good. It's about being a child of God. And so the idea here is that we are to represent God, that we've been made new. We are his children, and that it's not fitting for saints. Some of you guys grew up uh, with your family. Um, you know, they did, you, you, your folks didn't want you to shame the family name, so to speak. You know, like, uh, I don't want to say, I don't know anybody's, I don't want to put anybody in awkward deal. I would say, that wasn't the case in my family. My dad wasn't like, you need to do the Cantrell name right. Uh, that just wasn't the way. He, there, we were already so far gone. Like, I mean, our name was Mud anyway. So it's like, you could pretty much get away with anything and you wouldn't really tarnish the name much more than it had been tarnished, uh, unfortunately. So, but some of you grew up with that, like where your folks were like, hey, don't do that. You're, you're dirtying up the name of the family. And that is a little bit of the idea here is we are children of God. And we've been made saints by putting our faith and trust in Christ. We've been set apart for holy use, a holy life. And we are to be, our lives are to be shining examples. And so there does need to be a distinction between us and the rest of the world is what he's saying. Remember, we talked about our wealth in Christ, all the wonderful things Christ has done for us. Forgiveness, eternal life, that's the wealth. But now we're talking about the walk. So what does it look like for a person who's been saved by grace? not by works, but by a gift of God. And the person who's been given this gift, God says, I want you to walk this way. I want you to be distinctly different than everybody else. Um, and then what we're going to see is uh, that these are the things, these kind of sins are what keep people separated from God. But there was a sacrifice, Jesus Christ. So instead of being unsatisfied because we're not to indulge in these things, 
be thankful. So if you think about the list we just said, you'd be like, well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Gotta walk around like a goody two-shoes. What can we do? We can't even joke around. No, what he's saying is instead of living this selfish love and being unsatisfied, like I want more, I want more, I want more, we are to live being grateful for what God's done for us. I believe that's what the next. So how to love like a saint is remember your salvation. He says, so, but, so instead of all those, the, the nasty list we just looked at, give thanks. For this, you know, no fornicator, unclean person, covetous, covet, covet, covetous man, sorry, who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. This is a very debated uh, sentence here because some people say if you're a Christian um, and you have some kind of fornication or wrong sexual, then you will not go to heaven. So that's what some people teach, that you have no inheritance. Your inheritance is lost because of that, or you were never saved in the first place. I believe different. I believe what this is saying is those, the people without Christ that have not been saved, that is their identity. That is who they are, and they are without Christ. That's not us. You may still even engage in some of these things, in fact, I would say that everybody probably in this room, no matter how long you've been walking with Christ or how mature you are, you have probably dealt with being a covetous or wanting more of something that's not godly. And so that would put us all out of the running for inheriting the kingdom of God. So I believe what he's saying is give thanks because you've been moved over to this category you're no longer in that category. You've been made. You're no longer without Christ. You now are with Christ. Be thankful that that's not your identity. Your identity is now, I'm a saint who still sins. Instead of, I am a sinner without Jesus Christ. Make sense? So he's saying, be thankful. I think for us to love like Christ and to love sacrificially, we have to understand, and John hit on this big time last week, we have to understand that we have been loved by Christ and that Christ sacrificed himself for us even when we didn't deserve it. And as we embrace that and we're like, thank you, then we're able to love sacrificially. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Again, I think what he's saying, hey, be grateful. You're no longer in that category. You've now moved over here because that category is going to experience the wrath of God. And it's because they are rejecting Jesus Christ, the Savior. And so, again, if we kind of sum it up, the idea here is if we want to love like a saint, we need to love sacrificially. If we want to, to love like a saint, we need to avoid the selfish love, selfishness. If we want to love like a saint, we need to remember the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us and that he saved us out of those things, that lifestyle. We're going to celebrate communion, like I said, later. And that's what we're celebrating, that we had a sacrifice by a Savior who saved us from this kind of end. We deserve, all of us deserve God's wrath. There's not one. None righteous, no, not one. 
I don't care how good you lived. And it doesn't matter if you made it this far up on God's chart or this far up on God's chart. None of it matters because, uh, uh, as I say, like we're all too short to ride the ride. None of us measure up. But the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is what allows us to have entrance. I like the short thing because I can relate. Okay. You, you, you what? I missed out on a lot of rides. No, actually, I didn't miss out. I just stopped going at about age 13 or 12. Uh, so I, I hit the past the line at a normal age and then just stopped. Wow. So talking about, again, we talked about loving like a saint, now shining like a saint. I'm going to go quickly again. Remember that the Lord made you. Are you guys with me? I'm moving quickly here, but are you with me? The idea here is live set apart. Live as a saint. God's made us a saint. Let's live set apart lives. Kind of like the tongs. We don't want to live like barbecue tongs if we've been made special temple tongs. Let's live special temple tong life. That's goofy. If someone just took that quote out and put it on Twitter, he'd be like, what's this guy's get out of that church as fast as he can. Uh, but do you know what I'm saying, right? Like you guys are with me. Remember that the Lord made you light. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. This, this side over here, whatever uh, we're, we're doing just to kind of help make it clear. Don't be partakers. Don't share in the same behavior for you once. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Again, you see what God has made us. You were darkness, but now you're light. <clears throat> I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but Christ says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. And the idea here is that we have been given life. Let's come talk about some of that fruit. So basically we have the seed of that light in us. Um, so when you're saved, that moment you say, I'm not trusting myself. I'm not trusting my good works. I'm trusting in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Remember our gingerbread guy? You're made new internally. You're given a new spirit. All our other stuff, our habits and stuff are still there. But part of what we receive is the spirit of God and it's the light of Christ is included in that. So we automatically get equipped with light. Some of you, some of you have seen folks um, that are born again, we'll, we'll say, and that's kind of, that's a biblical term, but it used to be used a lot more often. Someone say like, Oh, he's a born again Christian. Um, and, and you'll see someone's life where all of a sudden there's a major transformation. And they had, it's like they went from, uh, you know, whatever, some really ugly sin. They're transformed. And they don't even have to say a whole lot. Their life begins just shining different. And that's Christ in them. Um, sometimes that doesn't happen as dramatic, but sometimes you see that. And that's the Holy Spirit in a person. So one is striving to please the Lord. So what it says is walk as children of light because we are light, right? We're saints. We've been given the light, the fruit of the spirit. And that some of the passages call this the fruit of the light is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So what is fruit? What is kind of the idea of fruit in general, like on a tree or anything else? What is it? 
something you eat, what else? It's what's produced out of that thing. So what he's saying is you've been made light. So your lives over here, if you've been made light, light, your life is to be producing goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's what we are to be striving to produce. And that, maybe the word striving is not a good word for that. That is what we are to allow God to be making produced in us. It's the Holy Spirit. If you see this, the fruit is the spirit. It's not me working real hard to be good, to be righteous, to stand in truth. It's allowing God in me to be working. I think this is one way Christians, we Christians end up very often living lives that look miserable to the world because we're working so hard to try and be good. We're working so hard to stop sinning. We're working so hard, and the reality of it is uh, that usually produces a lot more of, of sourness than anything sweet. And so the idea here is realizing that we've been made light and allowing God's spirit to work in us. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Uh, that our lives should be proving those things. And so all through this passage, I think you're able to begin saying like, we have, the, we have the darkness, we have the light. We have sacrifice, we have selfish love, we have sacrificial love. So there's, there's painting these two different pictures, like which side of the line are you on? If you've been saved, walk like it over here. These two should not look exactly the same. So he continues to talk about that. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Basically means don't be sharing in the sins and evil behavior of the world. Uh, so we went through that other list, the good, the righteousness, truth. We're supposed to be, that's light, not producing evil. Deeds of darkness, evil behavior, it could allude to things done in secrecy, things done in the dark, shameful things. Also referring to sexual sin or cultic practices. You know, the word cultic comes from the word uh, secret. And so if you think about some of us uh, end up living our lives in secret and doing things we shouldn't in secret, and he's saying that those are the things we need to really have no part with, those things that are done in darkness. And again, helping, uh, shining like a saint means using your light to help others see clearly. But rather, so don't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them. What does light do? Light gets rid of darkness, doesn't it? <laughs> Where there's a light, darkness goes away. But rather expose them, for it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, so the light shows them, for whatever makes manifest is light. I know I'm going quick and... Uh, we're continuing on here, but I want to just say a couple things about this. I don't think the idea here is to go around going like with your little spiritual flashlight. Gotcha. That's what you're doing wrong. Sinner. Gotcha. 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 Exposing everybody's sin. But I do think we are to be. Our lives should one be shining light that exposes sin. I think this is something that, especially for our young people, we need to help them because they're in a world, living in a world that is so dark 
Most of us, I shouldn't even say most of us, a lot of us, I would say, can tell the difference between light and dark. It's pretty simple. You see something on news uh, or see something on a TV program and you can even see like, they're trying to indoctrinate my kid. Like it's clear as day. I can see what's happening here. But for us, our young kids, we need to allow the light to expose and to be showing this stuff is wrong. We don't hate those people. We love them with the love of Christ, but we do not approve. This is not, this is stuff of darkness. It's not, uh, I mean, they just try to normalize vulgar things, it's, right? I mean, it's like totally normalizing perversion and trying to make it seem like it's normal and a good thing. This is where we're called to expose and to demonstrate that that stuff is not. We're to shed light on that. Now, you take that with the kids, and we're all like, heck, yes. We need to be doing that for one another because we all have areas in our life that maybe we're kind of thinking, ah, this isn't so bad. That's not such a big deal, or this isn't. And we will excuse, we'll hide, we'll uh, blame, we'll justify it, whatever those things are. And really, that's why I think it's so important for our relationships in a church body because as we get to know each other, we can help bring that to light. Just like when we expose for our kids, we're trying to help them, right? It's not to shame them. It's not to make them feel bad. It's not to, if they're like, I heard this, it's going, you, you don't go like, that's wrong. You and, and get on your kid. You're like, hey, man, be careful of that stuff because that is so wrong. That'll take you down roads you do not want to go down. It's going to cause you so much trouble. And that's how we need to be for each other. The light is supposed to be uh, shining on the darkness. And Again, we had from all the way from fornication to silly talk. So those are the kind of things that we need to be helping each other see clearly. The last thing is to wake up. This is a convicting one, I think. The last verse that we're covering today says, Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I believe he's talking to believers here to saints. I think he's telling them, hey, you have some drowsy spots in your life, like maybe some things you got kind of lazy about, or that's not a big deal. Hey, you know, this thing is okay. And, and I think it's the areas where we justify, make excuses or blame in. Um, we're supposed to be living these lives of holiness, but we've allowed it to kind of mesh in. And we've kind of got drowsy. And it's important for us to snap out of it. Uh, we, I say that a lot around our house. Uh, like, hey, snap out of it, right? No. You've heard that a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's so true for myself, too. I need to tell myself, snap out of it, man. Like, because you can just kind of get in la la land, right? And just cruise control. And life's just happening. But if we step out and see the spiritual realities of what's going on around us, the reality that a savior died in place for us. And then we're living this humdrum lives. It's just kind of meshed in a little bit of sin, a little bit. Instead of it, what we need to do is snap out of it. Uh, and the, what's the beautiful is Christ promises light for those dark areas of our life. So awake you who sleep, snap out of it. Arise from the dead, snap out of it. I'm talking to ourselves, talk, me talking to me. 
and Christ will give me light. So those areas where there's darkness, Christ will provide light. And again, we're getting ready to celebrate communion. I know I sped through that. I hope that the Holy Spirit will bring it to your mind and uh, this week and use it as needed for you. But the reality is that we can live like saints. I know that doesn't sound real fun, but it is a good, beautiful thing that you will be blessed for. And the reason we can do that is because Jesus Christ made us saints through his loving sacrifice. We're saints, sinner saints, saints that still struggle with sin. But that's all because of the work of Jesus Christ, that we could move from here to here. None of it is our work. So I would encourage you, as Ned leads us in communion, take some time to just uh, 